Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. You know, I know they say that a lot can happen in a week, but it feels like the world's completely changed since we last spoke here on The Brian Nichols Show. Uh, yeah, I'm your humble host here, Brian Nichols on The Brian Nichols Show. If you're, it's your first time joining The Brian Nichols Show, uh, well then you are joining us really the first time since, uh, it seems like the world's collapsing. You have coronavirus over, well, everywhere. Uh, you, it looks like the stock markets is plummeting, you know, as we speak. And, uh, yeah, who knows what's going to go on with uh, the 2020 election. Uh, but Hey, at the very least folks, we can control what we can control, right? And what we control is who we're nominating to be the, uh, the Libertarian Party presidential nominee. And uh, today on my show, I am joined by another of those candidates seeking that office, and that is today Dr. Joe Jorgensen. Now, you remember back a few weeks ago, I had uh, Joe Houtman, who is the uh, the chairperson for uh, Dr. Jorgensen's campaign on the show, to kind of do a quick intro into who Dr. Jorgensen is, and also discuss a little bit of the, uh, the past Libertarian historical presidential elections. Um, but... Today, with Dr. Jorgensen actually being on the show, I want to ask her, first and foremost, number one, why she is running for uh, Libertarian uh, Party's presidential nomination, but also to learn more about her. Um, for those of you who are more involved in the Libertarian Party for, you know, 10 plus years, you probably know Dr. Jorgensen, you know all of her work, uh, you know, not only working in the Libertarian Party, but also in her former, uh, her past campaigns on both the national platform as well as uh, her role in the party itself. So today, Dr. Jorgensen joins the show uh, to discuss her candidacy and uh, why she thinks she is the best person to lead the Libertarian Party forward in the 2020 presidential election. So with that being said, folks, on to the show, Dr. Joe Jorgensen here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, great to be here, Brian. Uh, absolutely, Joe. Great to have you, and thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule as a, a presidential candidate to join us here on The Brian Nichols Show. Um, now, folks, obviously, who are, are longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show, I guess in this case, not maybe not so long time, um, because I actually had one of your, uh, your, your campaign advocates on the show, um, Joe Houtman, to kind of discuss, number one, what got him involved in your campaign, and he, he obviously discussed a little bit more of your history, but I said, heck, Joe, we're having a, you know, a libertarian presidential, yeah. presidential candidates on the show left and right. Let's have Joe on, on the show herself to uh, kind of give her pitch to my audience. So let's start here, Joe. Um, first and foremost, let's introduce yourself to the show. And uh, number two, then we'll kind of dig into why on earth you thought you'd want to run for you know this this crazy platform of being a president of the United States as a libertarian. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, a little background. I am a senior lecturer at Clemson University. Uh, you may have heard of a little football game we were in not that long ago, which I'm still recovering from. But uh, I've run for office before. I was Harry Brown's 1996 vice presidential running mate. So, yes, I actually knew what I was getting myself into when I uh, threw my head into the ring. And I'm just looking forward to the next several months. So obviously you are not new to Libertarian Party politics, and, and obviously you mentioned you mentioned you're running with Harry Brown back uh, in, the, in the former elections. So let's kind of start here, Joe. What was your stepping stone into this this grand uh, movement that we call the Liberty Movement? 
You mean when I first joined the party uh, yeah. decades ago? Yeah, and the reason I ask is because yeah. I find a lot of people get a lot of value from learning what brought other people into the movement. Because I, I, I honestly see see that they see themselves a lot in those people and in those stories. So I'd love to hear kind of what was the, the I guess, the starting off point for you, but also, you know, what was it that, that got you more immersed in into this, this movement that we have today? Well, first of all, I was very lucky in that I heard about the Libertarian Party when I was still in college. And this was back in the late 70s. So, you know, now with the Internet, people hear about the Libertarian Party a lot earlier. But back in those days, uh, people maybe didn't hear about it till they were in their 30s or 40s. But I heard Honey Lanham on a local talk radio show. And after listening to her, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not the only one in the world who thinks this way. That's me. So I was one of those. I didn't have to be convinced to be a libertarian. I didn't have to have anybody explain to me why freedom and liberty works best. I already believed all those things. And when I heard somebody on the radio, I thought, wow, there's actually a political party for me. It's reassuring. It's reassuring when you hear that you're not the only one who thinks the way you think. And uh, I know for yeah. myself, I was in, in is actually more recently, I'd say back in 2014 or so, where I was post 2012 election for the, uh, the, the GOP. And I was thinking, you know, something didn't work. And I, I just, I don't feel <laughs> that I'm being represented by the people that say they believe what I believe, but then I see them in action and they're doing the exact opposite. And then, you know, of all the people, probably Rand Paul was the biggest, um, you know, the, the biggest person to push me full, fully into the libertarian movement, listening to his, um, you know, speeches against, uh, the NSA survival, uh, surveillance state and, and bro- uh, bombing American citizens without, um, you know, without, uh, congressional uh, oversight at all by the president. So for me, that yes. was kind of my, my stepping off point. Did you have a moment like that in, in your experience that kind of was like, you know what, this is this is the, the, the movement for me? Well, no, as I mentioned, the minute I heard the person on the radio describe the Libertarian Party, I thought that's me. But I would like to comment on what you just said, because my 1996 uh, speech was called Why Republican Politicians Keep Selling Out Freedom. And I basically talked about how the many fine Republican voters were just being uh, used and abused by the Republican politicians. And, you know, basically that's how the Libertarian Party started when Richard Nixon had his wage and price freeze controls. And a group of people were like, wait a minute, this isn't how Republicans are supposed to act. We're supposed to have the free economy. People are supposed to have a choice in how they run their business and who they hire and fire and how much they pay them. And obviously what we're seeing nowadays is, I say nowadays, it really, it's been going on for decades. That That's not the case. And it seems that it's a lot of lip service versus um, actually yep. sticking by by principles. And that opens the door for the Libertarian Party. Um, and, and that's, you know, obviously my show is focusing more on libertarian politics and more specifically in recent months, focusing on the libertarian nomination for president of the United States. And I've had folks, you know, back uh, episode 100, I had Jake, uh, Jake Jacob Hornberger on my show. I've had folks like mm-hmm. Adam Kokesh. Um, I had Kim Ruff before she dropped out, um, you know, Larry Sharp, Justin Amash. I've had a, a slew of folks who either have have decided to run for office, are in that question mark uh, kind of position, or, um, you know, have, have saw, uh, saw elected office as libertarians in the past. So, Joe, what? Let's, let's start here. 
you decide to, to enter a field of dozens of folks, and I, I didn't realize how many libertarians were running for office until, um, actually just, just this past episode, I had Mark Claire from Lions Liberty on my show, and uh, he actually had the chance to uh, to see you out at the, uh, the LP California um, presidential ah. debate. And, um, you know, yeah. he was going through the different the different uh, candidates that were, were seeking office, and he, he discussed how, you know, he had the chance to, to meet almost all of you guys individually, being a delegate himself. And um, mm-hmm. I, it kind of caught me off guard. I didn't realize that we had this many people running. So what was kind of the, the, the really the, the, the thing that pushed you forward to say, okay, this is the year that I want to, you know, seek this, this position again and, and really be the, the, the face of the Libertarian Party, especially when considering that the Libertarian Party will really be the only true alternative across the United States when compared to uh, voting for either Donald Trump or whoever the candidate is that the Democrats decided to, uh, to nominate. Well, two things. First of all, I've always wanted to do this since 1996. However, of course, I couldn't do it in 2000 because Harry Brown was running again, and there was no way I was going to run against him. And then just through a series of career changes, I just had to put it off till now. So I absolutely loved my 96 run. I went to 32 states, uh, raised more money than the other presidential candidates combined other than Harry Brown. So I really enjoyed going out and meeting people, and I was on something like over 300 radio shows. So I've always wanted to do this again. But partly why this year, first of all, I could fit it into my schedule, but secondly, I just saw, um, I just didn't think that there was somebody out there who was both principled and practical. At the time I decided to run, William Weld was probably the front front runner, and people were talking about supporting him. Mm. And while while I thought he was okay with Gary Johnson, and Gary Johnson was a libertarian, um, I just didn't think that Bill Weld could explain the libertarian principle well enough. You know, even even if he were were to vote that way. I didn't think that he could actually communicate it to people. On the other hand, we've got a lot of people who are running who just, with every answer, they say liberty or freedom. And I don't think that just shouting liberty is going to get people to join the party. I think we need to explain to them, okay, how does the libertarian solution help with health care? How can it reduce costs? How can we help uh, people who need charity. I think we need to do some more convincing because I think probably most of the people who already are excited by just liberty itself are already in the party, including mm. me. So yeah. now now we've got to go out there and talk to people practically and explain how we can help them with their mortgage payments, how we can help them with their child's education, and how liberty and freedom do work. So the nice thing about liberty is that liberty is right and liberty works. And I think we need both sides, not just one side. And some candidates address one side about how liberty works and other people address how liberty is right. But most people don't combine the two. And it seems that we have a lot of folks who are running for office who they, they enjoy being told by the rest of the party that, yes, you're you're definitely right on the principles. And yes, you're definitely the most libertarian. And and I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, obviously, Joe. And that is that 
unfortunately, we're not in a position that everybody's running a libertarian and we need to win more people right. into our movement. So let's start here. What's kind of your your position um, or at the very least kind of your your plan to bring more people into the liberty movement versus in let's kind of use metrics, right? Versus the success. And I will give Gary Johnson credit where credit's due success in bringing people into the liberty movement just from a, a vote standpoint. But then I think the bigger question is, Getting them to vote for us and then sticking around and and not just saying, yes, we'll cast the ballot for the libertarian candidate and then, you know, the next election cycle back into the traditional RRD, um, but actually be lifelong members of the libertarian party who actually embrace the uh, the confines uh, of liberty and, and freedom. Right. In fact, you bring up a good point. You mentioned vote and then you immediately mentioned membership. And a lot of people don't step back to realize, you know, there are different strategies. Uh, some candidates go just after votes, which is what Gary Johnson went after. Others go after membership, and others say, well, it's purely educational. I really don't care about you know the numbers out there. So when Harry Brown and I ran in 96, we went after membership, and it worked great. We had the largest growth in Libertarian Party history still to this day. We doubled the party in two years, the size of the party in two years. And then in 2000, Harry Brown, when I was was not his running mate, uh, decided to change his strategy and he went after votes and it didn't work as well. And now when Gary Johnson ran, he got a great number of votes. However, he didn't grow the party even as much as Harry Brown did. And I think what we need to do is grow the party because we need a, a large party so that we can have many more state and local candidates so we can have people to run their campaigns and support them and vote for them. And I think that's the way to grow the movement. Not not somebody who just votes libertarian every four years, but to have a larger movement of people running at all levels. Mm-hmm. And I, I find myself um, being in the camp uh, right along with you, but also that I feel like I need to do my part. And I, I honestly, I think where we are from a, a you know outreach perspective, there are so many great libertarian, not just podcasters out there, but also great forms of libertarian media from the We Are Libertarians yep. Network that I'm part of, Lions of Liberty. Um, you know, we have look at Reason.com, and I know there's some people who are like, well, those are the the wrong type of libertarian. And I'm like, I don't care because <laughs> we're not we're honestly not right. in a position to be arguing who's more libertarian. Like, we need to have all the advocates we can possibly have, all the outreach we can possibly do, and just reach people in a different way. And it's refreshing to hear a candidate who is at least acknowledging that, you know, yes, it's great to get votes, but we also need to, you know, bring people into the movement based on the fact that we are teaching. We are trying to show them not only what we believe, but how what we believe is important to them, important to their lives, important to their communities, and important to their livelihoods. So what would you be your argument, Joe? Uh, and let's, you know, obviously, you're running for elected office, and you're going to be competing against a large pool of people to start to get the nomination. Let's start out here. What's kind of the the Joe Jorgensen um, elevator pitch of why you should be the candidate for the LP versus the other 30,000 other people who are running? My one sentence is I'm principled and practical, that I can explain how the libertarian solutions work best. Um, I'd like to quote Ed Clark because you know you talked about how yes I am running for office. First of all, I you know there there are a few candidates who are saying well things are right if things go well I could be elected and I'm not saying that I am not going to be elected. However, I'd like to quote Ed Clark, who was our 1980 candidate, who was the first presidential um, candidate who I voted for. Somebody asked him, do you really think you could be elected president? And his answer was, you know, if I could sit around the kitchen table with every family in this country, 
I could win by a landslide if I could just explain Libertarian Party principles. But unfortunately, I can't do that, and the media is not helping me. So I think that again, if we go out, if if we go out with a positive message and explain how we do this, uh, yes, we could win. However, we're not at that point yet. And I'd also like to point out that my campaign manager, oh, he might have actually said this on your show. Um, my campaign manager Joe said that he believes that the first libertarian president will be elected in 2020, not as president, but maybe as city council or some state representative. Mm-hmm. And then if we elect enough people, then maybe in 20 years or 30 years, we can um, have a presidential nominee actually be elected. Yeah. And I think it's also very foolish for, for a lot of libertarians who look at, you know, running for, for president and they think like, oh, this is our year. Like we have a chance to win. It's like, yeah. okay, let's be real. And let's all kind of be objective for a second. No libertarian presidential candidate, regardless of how good they are, are going to win. And at least right now in the, the paradigm that we find ourselves in with this, you know, left, right paradigm, we need to just start to change the conversation and how we change the conversation is, yeah. is and I firmly believe is changing how people look at the, the ideas of liberty and they see it applied in their personal lives. Now, for my audience, I'm I'm you know beating a dead horse because I've had this this conversation a million times on my show because I firmly believe that this is the way we win the future. Number one, by living what we practice. And uh, Jason Stapleton yeah. over the J- uh, Wealth, Power, and Influence, he's doing this all the time. He's doing a lot of great work. Is is helping people better themselves. So you know we're able to put ourselves in better positions where we can actually have some leverage and show what we're doing in our personal lives and the value we have, but also. Is, is taking a step back and saying we have to, to take a step and run for these these smaller offices, be it, you know, school board or city council or dog catcher. Honestly, yeah. we need to show, hey, we have a network of libertarian elected officials who are doing great work in their communities. And then to have the presidential candidate use those those people as, as almost like, like case studies and say, you know, look at, you know, Bill Smith over in Name the City here. He's been sit on city council for five years and he's He's been able to help promote some of the, the most, you know, increase in, in job growth in, in his city. They cut taxes exponentially compared to where they were five years ago. And other cities thriving, right? That would be a perfect case study to bring to a national platform and say, see, you guys say that all we are going to do is create another Somalia out there, right? But here's what actually happens when you take our principles and our values and put them into action. And by and large, people get helped. And I think that's where we're having a lot of trouble is conveying that message to people who who are so easily stuck in this left-right narrative where either you're a Republican and you hate poor people or you're a Democrat and you hate right. you, you hate wealth and you hate business. That's not the truth, that there is an alternative. And I, I dare say our alternative at, at its very core principles makes the most logical sense. And once we sell it better, I think we're going to have more people who will, will jump on board because they too will see the value. Yes, and I'd like to make two comments on what you just said. You started off by saying that the libertarian nominee is, or the libertarian candidate is not going to be elected. And yeah, I'd like to echo that with, we had Gary Johnson, a two-term governor, which is, you know, pretty high up. We Not many people can say they've been elected governor twice, who had great name recognition, who still wasn't able to break the barrier. And he so ran with another somebody, two-term governor. That That's the thing, too. It's exactly. like we, we had one of, if not the most, quote-unquote, credible candidates we've ever had in Gary Johnson plus right. his running mate. And we still got, what, 3% of the vote? Exactly. And then um, also... Part of the problem we have, and, and I, I agree with you 100%, we need school board, we need city council and all that, 
part of the problem is that at least the first wave of libertarians who were uh, excited about the party are excited about national issues. You know, we're excited about health care. We're excited about um, charity and, and what do we do with the welfare state. And so everybody wants to run for president or U.S. Congress or U.S. Senate, but a lot of people just aren't interested in, okay, how do we make sure that you know, the sewage system is working fine. Mm. Or what about the school board? You know, what about the local school? And of course, libertarians say, well, we shouldn't have public school anyway. So then it's hard to run for a local um, school board. <laughs> so so that, that, that's part of our problem is that we don't have enough people who are excited at the lower levels. But if we can show how libertarianism works, and how it actually helps with practical issues, again, the practical side, then maybe we can bring in some of these people who can run for those lower offices who are excited by those lower offices. Mm -hmm. Talking about people who are running for smaller offices, I mean, good friend of the show, Todd Hagopian, who is, uh, he's libertarian in chief over on Twitter, um, and he's, you know, not only a good friend of the show, but a good personal friend. Um, he was running for LP chair, and he said, you know what, time, time out, you know, I'm going to practice what I preach, I'm going to run for a smaller uh, a smaller office. And he decided to pull out of the LP chair race and ran for his local school board. And, like, that's what we need more yep. of. Um, so, yep. let, oh, go ahead, Joe, I'm sorry. Yep. And, well, I, yeah, and I was going to say, part of the problem is there's a faction of the party who thinks that you can't be in the party unless you're at 100-100, and I'm not one of those people. Now, I am at 100-100, and I always have been. However, if somebody's a 90-90, I want to welcome them in. I want that person's time and energy and money uh, as opposed to letting them put it towards the mm -hmm. Democrat or Republican Party. And also, a lot of people get are, are attracted to the party because of one or two issues. And if we allow them to join the movement, which even that terminology is crazy, allow them to join. You know, we, we should be <laughs> dragging them in. But if we allow them to join us without a litmus test, and then they hear about other issues, they're slowly going to say, you know what, okay, maybe I wasn't as much for, you know, no gun control, but now that I've been around you guys and I've been listening to all this, you know, it kind of makes sense. So if, if somebody is, is, is excited about one or two issues, sure, come on in the party. And I think that they will um, slowly begin to see that liberty is right and liberty works. And, and that requires the folks in the movement, like that who are already there, to just not be mean, like, like, like yeah. understand that they're taking their first step into this brand new world and they need help. Like they're going to need some guidance. They're going to need some handholding. Yeah. And that's on us to make sure that we're doing the best job in teaching and fostering that new mentality instead of saying, well, pff, you had this very unlibertarian idea, sir or madam, and you are not right. welcome in our party in our exclusive club because you have not hit all 100 of our, you know, our, our, you know, libertarian purity tests. So sorry, you're on your own. Right. And instead of bringing more people into the movement who we so desperately need and, you know, taking people who maybe are like 80% allies when they're coming into the movement and saying, well, that's that 20% part I can't come to, you know, come to terms with. Instead, we should be, you know, saying, listen, you are at 80% of, you know, where you need to be and this 20% we're going to work on. But, you know, these this 80% you're doing fantastic here. It just seems that a lot of the people in the movement are saying, I don't care about the 80%. Let's focus on these 20% of the things that you don't do right. And and they just lambast people and they push people out of the movement. And I just, it makes me nervous because I'm, I'm from a sales background and you know, I, that that's my, the way my mind oh, works. Me too. Okay. Me yeah. Too. So, yeah, so like too. we have salespeople and you have your engineers or you have the people behind the scenes, writing yeah. the white papers, but yeah. the, the libertarian party, it seems that the, the, the salespeople ha that have basically risen to the, to the top of the crop tend to be 
people who maybe should be engineers, who should be, you know, talking about the values of Mises and Hayek and, and Rothbard, but instead, um, you know, they're, they're trying to be the salespeople bringing people in the movement. But like, if you were to go to a random democratic voter and say, have you heard about Murray Rothbard? They're going to roll their eyes and say, who? And it's, and then that's how the conversation is going to end. But if you, if you change the conversation, starting starting to talk about like, like how, you know, how is, is liberty going to be a value to you? Now it's a different conversation. And now it's actually a conversation that you can actually have with somebody instead of just feeling like you need to show them how smart you are in your libertarian purity tests. Yep. And two things. I can't tell you how many people I've met who've said, well, I like a lot of your ideas, but well, I can't be a libertarian because I'm pro-life. And they didn't arrive at that conclusion. Other people told them. And 100%. I'm yep. thinking, I, I want that person to join. And also the problem with leading with liberty as our prime message without the practical aspect is people kind of roll their eyes. If we say, yes, we want freedom, people roll their eyes and they say, well, we're the freest country in the world, you know, we, and, and, and they'll even rattle off examples about how in other countries they're not allowed to, you know, say whatever they want or buy whatever they want or work wherever they want or whatever. So they look at it and they go, well, we're already free. <laughs> so we've got to convince them that there's another reason to join. And, right. and, and then once they join, then they realize, you know what, I didn't realize that that there was a possibility to have more freedom. But now that I see all these other things, yeah. But but first, let's get them in if they're like-minded. A hundred percent. So let's 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 take that to the next step as we wrap up the interview here. And obviously, the libertarian candidate is going to be that that true alternative to the Republican and the Democrat being Trump and yep. question mark, right? So let's take yep. what we just talked about, Joe, when you were trying to reach out to new people. What would you look at as being number one, your your pitch towards the left, who are maybe a little more curious and the other candidates who are out there? And then after that, we'll kind of dissect things from how you'd approach people on the right. Okay. Well, first of all, the people on the left that I, I got to admit, it's, it's tough with the people on the left because their positions have changed. You know, back in my day, I remember in the 1960s, they were all about free speech and now they're the most anti-free speech people out there. So that's a little tough. But what I would do is I would start with whatever issue they're interested in. And it's being, mostly we're talking about social issues. So for instance, uh, what they call gay rights. Of course, you and I know that rights are rights. If, if you start putting a name, uh, if you start identifying it, now you're no longer talking a true right. right. But talk in their terms of gay rights or the the right for people to marry who they want to marry or live with who they want to live with and also i've been talking with young people and i'd like to point out that um i think we need to go after younger people because they are more naturally libertarian and i had a conversation with a a young person um a few weeks ago in nebraska and i mentioned to her well did you not realize that barack obama when he ran for his first term in uh, for president, he was against gay marriage. She was shocked, <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, same with same with Hillary Clinton. She was shocked." And and her question was, "Well, why is that? You know, because obviously, right? You know, obviously, if you're gay, you should be able to get married. Why was Barack Obama against that?" And I said, "It was probably because he didn't think he could get the votes. You know, they wait until the position is popular, and then they go after it, as opposed right. to the Libertarian Party." 
we are principled, so we go after what's right. So if you want somebody to stand up for all these rights that you want, we're the people, not the Democrats, because they wait until it's popular. And on the right side, oh, oh, and one other thing on the left side is I'm one of the few libertarians who wants to talk about the environment. And this goes with the principled but practical, because uh, the environment just has tended over the decades to not excite libertarians as much as the other more economic issues. And I look at it and I say, you know what? Young people are concerned about the environment. We need to be talking about the environment. We need to be talking about what it excites them, not what excites us. Now, as far as on the right side, I would lead with health care. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people say, well, a free market didn't work. So now we'll have to try something else. And I want to explain how, no, we don't have the free market. It's because the government's been meddling since World War II that we have the, um, you know, that we're in the shape we're in. And, like, I think what's sad, honestly, and this is coming from somebody who came from the right, is what you're saying speaks to me as someone who has kind of taken the step back and, like, removed the, uh, you know, the, the, the glasses and I'm seeing things for the first time through a clear lens. Yeah. And and yep. the, the the sad thing for me is that I, I think there's a lot of people both, you know, on the right where I came from, but also from folks in the left. And you know, I've had many guests on my show who also came from the left. And, and to know that there was that moment that they took the glasses off and they saw things clearly, but you have to have the, the willingness to acknowledge that maybe everything that I know isn't right. And that's one yeah. of the most humbling feelings. And my, my biggest concern as we move forward in 2020, as we get towards the, the, you know, towards November, towards the election is that I just don't think a lot of people are going to be willing to take that, that step to, to really humble themselves and, and admit that they don't know what they don't know. Um, I mean, heck, that's part of the reason for my show is that I wanted to have people on my show who are infinitely more smart yeah. than I am because the truth is I don't know everything. And I don't, I, I think it's silly for anybody to, you know, either be a libertarian podcaster or, you know, be any type of, of noted figure in, in politics, media, or what have you, and say that I am an absolute expert in everything because nobody is. So to at least get people who are, who are taking a step away from their party and saying, Maybe what I've been told X amount of years of my life isn't the truth. And I think we actually are starting to see that a little bit with, you know, the, the Andrew Yang voters of, of the Democrats and, and the Tulsi yeah. Gabbards of the Democratic voters. Like there are people who are taking a little bit of a step and saying like this, something doesn't smell right. And heck, I even I would say, honestly, Joe, you know, doc, a lot of the, uh, the the Bernie Sanders voters, they're also kind of looking at what the Democratic establishment has been and what they did to him in 2016. And they're they're like, you know, this this isn't right. This is there's something really smelly behind the scenes here. And, you know, I would almost guarantee that that is being controlled by somebody in the, the Clinton establishment camp. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so <laughs> let's uh, let's do this, Joe, as yeah. as, as as we wrap up the uh, the conversation here, I want you to to leave my audience with kind of your best pitch. Number one, not only for yourself, but also number two, to to the Libertarian Party going into twenty twenty. What's your best pitch to not just my audience, but to the voters out there to consider an alternative and and to really look at what we're doing and take it with you know some some real merit and and consider what we're saying um, in, in a more deeper sense than maybe they have in the past. Well, here's what I would say to the Bernie Sanders supporters, since he is in first place, I would say, you know, I, please look at the Libertarian Party, because what we do is we support the little person. And I think the average person would say, well, wait a minute, Bernie Sanders supports the little person, to which my reply would be, let's look at his policies. All of his policies are big government spending your money. He's taken away your choice. 
by taking away your money. He wants to spend your money for you instead of letting you spend it. And to the people on the right, I would say the Republican politicians have been selling you out for years. You have been loyal to the Republican Party. You have wanted smaller government. And yet, when you vote for the Republican politicians, they give you bigger government. In fact, when I ran in 1992 for U.S. Congress, I looked at the two budgets that were being proposed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're familiar with the very famous <laughs> saying yep. from almost, what, 100 years ago, not a dime's worth of difference, right? Yep. Well, I looked at the Republican budget and I looked at the Democratic budget and I did the math and it came out to be that there was just a dime's worth of difference in that the Republicans only wanted to spend 10 cents per day less per voter. (laughs) So there is a dime, just a dime. And you know what? Uh, You've been voting Republican all these years, and they're not giving you what what you want. And even Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, you know, the, the people on the right love him because he gave a smaller government. Many people don't realize that the budget got bigger every year for eight years Mm -hmm. so if what you really want is smaller government if what you really want are reduced taxes and reduced spending the only place to go to is the libertarian party there is no other party out there who's offering that for you Dr. Joe Jorgensen, thank you so much for the uh, the time of the show today. Folks, if you want to go ahead and follow uh, Dr. Jorgensen, what you can do is go over to her Facebook. It's uh, Joe Jorgensen 2020 or over on Twitter at Joe for Liberty. And I will include both of those links in the show notes as well as Joe's web- uh, website, JoeJ2020.com. Dr. Jorgensen, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. It was an absolute blast. And and best of luck as we go forward to, to the, uh, the, the convention. And we'll definitely make sure we have you on um, regardless of what happens. Happens to, uh, to kind of get your feedback, and, and we'll see uh, how things will go okay. into the election. Well, thanks so much. And can I point out my website is JOJ2020 because I don't have an E in my name like men do. <laughs> I was going to say, I will, I will confess before we wrap up, it was uh, confusing to have Joe Houtman yes. uh, on, on the show <laughs> yes. to represent Joe Jorgensen, J-O-E, representing J-O. Yep. Um, so, no, I, I definitely get what you're saying. But, yes, joj 2020.com and I'll be sure to uh, include that in the show notes so even if folks are a little confused listening to the episode all they've got to do click that one little button in the uh, the the link and you can go right to uh, to Dr. Jorgensen's website I appreciate it so much thank you so much Okie dokie, folks. That's going to wrap up my conversation with the great Dr. Joe Jorgensen. It's always a pleasure to speak to Dr. Jorgensen. And uh, I think, you know, if anything, we can always leave the uh, the episodes uh, with folks like, uh, you know, Joe Jorgensen feeling, yes, educated, enlightened, and informed. And especially if you're one of those voters who just feels like you are not being represented by anybody in electoral politics right now. Right now, the Libertarian Party has a real chance to uh, attract voters like you and be it someone like a Dr. Joe Jorgensen or a Jacob Hornberger or, uh, heck, other presidential candidates that have been on the show like Arvin Vora or Adam Kokesh. I don't care who it is, um, but just know that the Libertarian Party does have an alternative. And I'm, I'm hoping, uh, you know, especially based on the more recent candidates we've had here on the show, that, uh, you know, the Libertarian Party is is cultivating some good folks who can lead the party um, not only to some, uh, you know, some outreach success, but hey, fingers crossed to a future, a future of electoral success as well. So with that being said, folks, yes, it's, you know what time of the week it is. It's time to, uh, to give you guys a challenge. That is to share today's episode with at least five family and friends who are out there, at least maybe libertarian, uh, liberty curious, or they're just looking for an alternative uh, compared to what they're seeing right now with Trump versus the big question mark, socialist, democratic socialist, whatever the hell you want to say it's going to be leading the democratic party. It's not going to be good. Um, but at the very least, we can show them an alternative. So again, five family and friends, 
And if you guys enjoy the episode, I mean, hey, go ahead and, and tag me on social media. I'll make sure I go ahead and, uh, you know, give you guys a good retweet. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at B Nichols Liberty. And you can also go ahead and follow me on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty as well. And folks, if you want to get in touch with me, go ahead and send me an email. It's Brian at Brian Nichols Show.com. I mean, I was trying to think of an easy email. And what's easier than Brian at Brian Nichols Show? Dot com, or you can go right to the website and click the uh, the contact me, um, and it'll go right to our, our portal. You can go ahead and send an email that way. But again, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com, easiest way to, uh, to get in touch. And guys, if you could also do me one last favor, that's head, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a, a five-star rating and then write a nice, uh, kind, if you would, review. And the reason I ask that is because that's how we move up the rankings. And as I said last week, um, you know, it was great to see that, you know, the We Are Libertarians Network was the number four podcast recommended by Apple um, when it looks at news and commentary. And that's because of you guys. And that's because you go to the shows every single week, you download the episodes, you go ahead and you rate us these awesome reviews. And again, those five-star ratings, it moves us up the rankings and it helps us reach more people so we can spread the message of liberty far and wide. So guys, with that being said, it was an absolute blast speaking to you this week. Please stay safe. If you have not yet, I mean, with the stock market tanking, you can go ahead and probably get an investment in Purell for like 15 cents. Um, so go ahead, get some Purell hand sanitizer, stay safe, stay smart, but more importantly, stay healthy. So with that being said, folks, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on the Brian Nichols Show for Dr. Joe Jorgensen. And assuming I'm not dead from the coronavirus, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.